Hello, hello. Daylight is fading. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 490. It is like 8 o'clock. The sun is setting. I got an hour till the sun does set. It's golden hour. Uh, I'm in Bellingham, Washington. It's an Arco, a Subway, and a Starbucks. I'm in the Starbucks parking lot. I also got permission from the local police. I was like, hey, there's a cop right next to me. And I was like, hey, can I record here? He's like, yep, no problem. And I was like, okay, that's good enough for me. So here we are. Um, I hope we're doing well. I'm recording this on July 1st. I've been driving all over Washington. I should have recorded this probably today, like earlier, and put it out today. But it'll come out on July 2nd. Uh, there's an F1 race on the 3rd. We'll do that later down the road. Uh, but I want to say, I guess, first of all, to, to y'all Americans out there, uh, happy Independence Day. Happy July 4th a little bit early. I hope you have fun. I will be hanging out in Bellingham, Washington with some friends doing dumb stuff, probably. Drinking, hanging out, relaxing, enjoying the holiday. Uh, toasting to our our flawed but great country. Uh, one that I, I'll say, it. look, man, I am so glad I don't live in the Ukraine, right? Like, it's easy to badmouth America, but the reality is we have it pretty good, and I'm really glad I grew up here and not somewhere else, so... Uh, yeah, let's do, uh, I want to talk about the biggest news probably in the world. Like this is massive stuff. Also I haven't decided sunglasses on sunglasses off. I honestly like the sunglasses on, although it's getting too dark to wear them. But I think, I think we're going to keep them because I just feel more confident and comfortable. And frankly, that's all that really matters. So whatever works for me. Uh, also, by the way, thank you. And I love you. So here's the massive news. This is a big deal. Um, it broke yesterday. My dad called me like seven times like, holy crap, can you believe it? Guess what happened? Here it is. USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten Conference. It is a seismic move in college football. Uh, it is supposed to happen in 2024. It's supposed to happen then. I would not be shocked if they play this fall and then are like, you know, we're out now. Um, they're moving on and they're moving up. And now the two major college football conferences are the SEC and the Big Ten. So let, let's say it out loud. The Power Five is now dead. Uh, that, you may not like that, but it's the Big Two, the SEC and the Big Ten, and then everybody else. Uh, apparently U, USC and UCLA approached the Big Ten saying, hey, we're planning to leave the Pac-12. Do you want us? It's kind of funny, too, because Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkoff had a, a handshake agreement with the other conferences uh, saying, like, hey, we're not going to poach. You're not going to poach our guys, right? Uh, well, um, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkoff might be Klavkoff, Klavkoff, whatever he says. I'm going to say Klavkoff. Uh, he might be remembered as the guy who oversaw the dismantling of the entire Pac-12 conference. Years and years of tradition. Uh, man, I grew up watching USC dominate and, you know, Matt Leiner winning national titles. I was with my dad on the couch watching that. That Pac-10, the Pac-12, it's all it's probably going to be gone in a couple years. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, he's been commissioner for one year. It's gone pretty badly. Uh, and apparently he was away on vacation in Montana when this was announced that, hey, we're, we're leaving the Pac-12. And he was kind of caught off guard. I don't blame... USC or UCLA for leaving. I mean, there's going to be more money, more resources, uh, more exposure. It's better for recruiting. Like, you can't blame them for leaving the Pac-12. I, I used to work for Pac-12 Network, and, and they financially were not very responsible and aren't generating as much money as other conferences and other opportunities will provide. Here's what I find interesting most of all in this stuff with the, 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 I guess, by the way, now apparently colleges can enter enter the transfer portal. You hear about players, oh, this guy's leaving for there. Well, we've seen... Texas, Oklahoma, USC, UCLA, they're all moving and it's a size of moves are going on. Now, what's interesting in all of this, though, is why UCLA? You know, why isn't it USC and Oregon going to the Big Ten or USC and Washington or Utah? Like, why? If you think of, like, the most prominent, biggest and best schools in the Pac-12, uh, UCLA, you know, California, Los Angeles, they're not the number two school in your head that you think of as the second best big brand in the Pac-12. Here's why I think it's happening. By having both schools in LA, USC and UCLA, the Big Ten 
will dominate Southern California recruiting like no other. There's three big regions in the recruiting world. Like the three biggest, at least, are the South, Florida in particular, Southern California, and the Midwest. Those are like, now there's other areas, a lot of guys out east and yada yada, but right now the Big Ten is going to dominate and own two of the three major recruiting hotbeds. It's everyone talks about it's Texas, Florida, California, and then the South, like the biggest places to recruit. Well, the Big Ten is going to dominate the Midwest and Southern California, leaving the South and Florida and all the South everywhere to the SEC. Uh, that That is why I think they're like, let's take UCLA because of the strategic importance and value they bring by going there. By the way, the Big Ten is now a nationwide brand. They've got schools in Maryland, in New Jersey, in LA. It's interesting to me. I love that. One second, I'm going to shift my camera. My camera's like, I've realized this now. Let's do this. There we go. I think I'm more centered now. So what's next for the, what's next for the rest of college football, basically, because you got a couple big schools that are not in the Big Ten or the SEC. You've got Clemson, Miami, Oregon, Utah, Washington, Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't really want to join a conference. That's been their thing for years. Um, And it makes me want to read a question from Patreon. You go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler if you want to submit questions to Strong Opinion Sports. Balin writes in and says, Hey, Zach, it's June 30th, and this literally just happened, and I assume we're going to cover it. But USC and UCLA are leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten seemingly out of nowhere. At least that's what it looks like as, a, as of right now as this is kind of developing. As an Oregon fan, this kind of worries me, actually, because for the next few years, it completely destabilizes the conference and basically leaves just Washington and Oregon as the remaining powerhouse school left in the Pac-12. School seemings, I'm sure. While this may be good for records, having only 10 teams and not very good ones at that in my eyes removes any credibility the Pac-12 may have been clinging to. So here's your primer if you want to use it. Do you think the Pac-12 dissolves and we get three to four mega conferences over the next five to seven years? Or does the Pac-12 steal schools like Boise State, Montana, or Fresno from the Mountain West? Boise State and Fresno have proven to be solid teams nearly every year that can usually run with the mid-tier pac whatever school teams and Montana usually has some good surprises each year and could be a fun addition. Personally, I like the idea of adding Boise and Fresno, but I think four regional mega conferences, much like the NFL's conference divisions would be better for football. There's a lot in that question, Balin. Thank you for writing. He's a a Ducks fan. I think he lives in Eugene. Um, Boise state, Fresno state. I've heard, Maybe San Diego State. They cannot replace USC or UCLA. I, I am sorry. Uh, that, that's just not a, that's not a lateral move. It's not equivalent at all. It's a big step down for the Pac-12. Um, and what's interesting, you know, you can't replace USC or UCLA with, with those schools. I am fascinated by Oregon, Clemson, Miami. I think Utah would leave in a heartbeat. They Clemson in particular, like... They're the best in the ACC by a lot. I think Miami's a big brand that could pop off soon if Mario Cristobal does well. They all want more money, I guarantee. They are not happy. They see Oklahoma, Texas, USC, UCLA all leaving for better conferences and go, I'm next. It's my turn. I, I, you know, there's enough teams for basically three big conferences in college football. I don't, you say four to five mega conferences. I say, well, really? It is... Wake Forest and Oregon State, Washington State, these like low-level tier teams that are bad to okay in other, you know, conferences in college football. You can't put them all together and make a big one. Here's what you can do. There's a handful of other teams that are not either in the SEC or the Big Ten. Again, Utah, Clemson, Oregon, Miami, maybe Washington, uh, Notre Dame, but they're not going to join a conference. I think if you can get those schools together and then maybe a couple schools with crazy tradition that aren't very good, but that have a gigantic ravenous fan base, you could put together a third interesting conference. Uh, here's a really interesting question though. I think we need to ask is how good is it really to be the dominating king of the Pac-12 or the ACC? 
if Oregon destroys the Pac-12 every year and, and wins every game, or if Clemson and Miami dominates the ACC, on one hand, that's good because you get an easy path to the college football playoff. But is that kind of bad logic? Because will the college football playoff committee respect that kind of schedule? Or, or could we just see four teams from the two from the Big Ten, two from the SEC go in, and maybe there maybe there's a fourth team that's really good from. But you know, it's very possible that the college football playoff committee goes, you know, we, we don't really respect your schedule anymore. You're playing Washington State, Oregon State, Wake Forest. Who cares? So how much credibility is it going to be to win the Pac-12 or the ACC moving forward? Or the, the sorry, the Big 12 is out there, but I've even I don't even care about the Big 12 because they they lost their big draw already. Here's a, a thing that I I say cautiously, and I, I feel kind of bad that this is true, but it is true. Personally, I love the SEC, and I love the Big Ten. Uh, I'm a, I grew up in Oregon. <laughs> I grew up in Pac-12 country. I'm supposed to be a Pac-12 fan. My whole family is. People give me crap for not being a bigger Oregon supporter. Um, I think the Pac-12 kind of has some undeserved arrogance, in my opinion, frankly, I feel bad for Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, these bottom Pac-12 schools that are kind of screwed now after this move. But honestly, um, I, I as, a, as a, just a fan of college football who wants good for the sport and wants entertaining football, I'm not that disappointed to see, hey, you're going to get USC playing Ohio State and Michigan? That sounds incredible. Hey, Oklahoma, Texas are going to play Alabama and, gosh, Mississippi and Georgia and I just think all of that sounds fun and I I think that the two most interesting conferences in college football getting even more interesting as someone who's objective and tries to be fair who just wants good games and exciting football I think it gives us more of that um the the Pac-12 has always been interesting in a vacuum but nationally, they have never been able to compete with the top-level talent or programs or conferences. And so I'm not saying good riddance, but I'm not that disappointed, actually. It's just shocking and big news for sure, but it's it's not actually... Um, I wish I could tell you I was very disappointed, but I'm, I'm actually not. Okay, um, something happened that I'm excited about. Washington receiver Terry McLaurin just got a big new contract extension. It's a three-year deal worth $71 million. That's, uh, you know, in the three years he's been in Washington, by the way, he's had two 1,000-yard receiving seasons, and his rookie year, he had over 900 yards receiving. Also, he's done all of that, all while never really having a true quarterback. They've never really had a franchise quarterback at all while Terry McLaurin has been in Washington. He had, like, four different quarterbacks last year. Washington has been a revolving door quarterback, and now he's got Carson Wentz, who... Say what you want about Carson Wentz. It is an undeniable fact that Carson Wentz is going to be the best quarterback Terry McLaurin has had throwing to him his entire NFL career, which is wild. It says how good I think Terry McLaurin is. He's 26 now. He'll be 27 in September. And here, here's a storyline we got to focus on first before we get into more, is that he got a $28 million signing bonus. That is money that will change his life forever. Um... And I think people don't realize how little money Tara McLaurin has made compared to his value. He's making about a million dollars a year, which, hey, for you and me, that's incredible. I love that. Yay! But the reality is that uh, for an NFL player of his caliber, he was getting paid way, way less than he deserves. And he was a third-round pick on a rookie deal, making so little compared to his market value. So to see him now averaging $23 million a year, getting a $28 million signing bonus, um, that's great for him. I'm so happy for him to see a guy I'm a big fan of who, man, I love his style of play, getting paid. That makes me happy. Also, honestly, that is not that much money, in my opinion, to pay him. I think everybody kind of wins. It's not an insane number. You're not, it's not a number that makes me go, are you sure he's worth that? I go, yeah, no, 23 million for Terry McLaurin. That's about right. I kind of, okay, I like that. He's going to get generational wealth. Uh, He's under contract through 2025. And here's what's really, really key, I think, here is it get it Washington getting this done deal gets him into training camp now. He's going to go work with Carson Wentz. And as I think about Washington, man, Carson Wentz plus Terry McLaurin plus first-round pick receiver Jahan Dotson, that idea, that 
<laughs> that passing attack sounds exciting. Uh, and then you think they got a good defense. They got Ron Rivera at head coach. Um, I'm excited to see what Washington can do this fall. And I'm not saying they're going to win their division. I mean, frankly, Carson Wentz could be horrible. I'm working on a film analysis of him now. I- I'm excited to tell you what I find. Uh, but here's what I, I got to say. For I-, I really hope that Washington will give Carson Wentz more than just one year. Like, give him a year. Let him build. I, I think they will because they're kind of a dysfunctional organization and they're happy to have a guy face of their franchise. Uh, they're kind of cheap. They're kind of weirdly run. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of potential here between Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, and Carson Wentz. And getting him signed, getting, getting him into training camp, working with Carson now, uh, it's a big deal. I'm very excited. And I, I'm so happy to see a guy that I'm a huge fan of that's been massively underpaid get some big bucks and get taken care of for the rest of his life. He can take care of his family. He can play football and no, he never needs to worry about money ever again. And I, I, I mean, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I can't imagine he's going to spend it in a stupid way. And uh, I'm just so happy for Terry McLaurin. It makes, makes me like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that make you go like, wow, this guy, third round pick who really, really earned it, got paid. And a guy who seemed, I just, I really, I love seeing a guy who deserves to get paid and taken care of and, Makes me very, very happy. All right. Uh, big news in the NBA world. I'm not a huge NBA fan, but there's a couple stories that have... I don't know every story in the NBA. I don't even care about every story in the NBA, but there's two that... I said, hold up, three. There's two that really interest me. Number one is this. Kevin Durant demanded a trade away from the Brooklyn Nets. The reality is he asked for a trade, asked, demanded, whatever you want to word that. Think about this. The Brooklyn Nets used to have Kevin Durant... Kyrie Irving and James Harden. And the Rona screwed everything up and uh, the guy wouldn't take, you know, Kyrie Irving wouldn't get a, uh, the the shot, we'll say. I'm trying to use words that doesn't get grabbed by YouTube and demonetized. Um, it's just crazy. They had that big three and it, it imploded, didn't work. You know, James Harden demanded a trade. He got sick of working with Kyrie. And now, basically, the this all boils down to Kevin Durant is done working with Kyrie Irving. I don't mean to be cliche, uh, but I I, I got to take a sidestep here and, and give a, a little story because I often compare LeBron James and Tom Brady. I, I really, really, it's kind of crazy how they've been so successful for so long at a high level. Their bodies are defying logic. They've won a lot of championships. They've also lost a lot of championships. I, I think there's a lot of parallels between Brady and LeBron. And I always thought it was pretty impressive that Tom Brady found a way to win a championship with Antonio Brown, the crazy receiver man, he found a way to get the most out of Antonio Brown and won a title with him. LeBron did the same thing with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving seems like a really frustrating person to work with, and that's me putting it nicely. The word crazy comes to mind. I don't need to say that anymore. Um, but LeBron found a way to win a title with Kyrie Irving. That's incredible. We're learning now that he's basically the only person who found a way to do anything good with Kyrie Irving because everyone that works with Kyrie gets really frustrated. Even LeBron got frustrated, I think, and got rid of him. So I just, you're seeing now, even Kevin Durant was like, this is too much. I can't deal with that. I got I to gotta go somewhere else and I can't work with Kyrie Irving. I just, I just, like I said, again, LeBron was the only person ever to get the best out of Kyrie Irving. And I, I maybe that's a weird coincidence. You can't predict the Rona, but... Um, here, here's some trade possibilities, places where Kevin Durant could go. By the way, Kevin Durant is 33 years old right now. He'll be 34 in September. Also, before we get into possibilities, I mean, I, I, I've criticized Kevin Durant in the past. He's kind of a, a whiner. He loves to complain on Twitter. He hates hater. Yeah, yeah. There's all the, there's problems with Kevin Durant for sure, but you got to put some respect on his name. He may not be perfect, but he is still one of the, the best scorers ever. I mean, his. Ability, his skill set is unreal. Uh, I, I've been playing 2K a lot with my friends, and he's just different. Like, I, I, I know it's dumb to say it, but like, in 2K, you can't guard Kevin Durant. He just does whatever he wants, and it's the same way in real life. He's just an unbelievable talent, and um, I, I think people love to hate on him. They hate when he went to Golden State, but I personally acknowledge his flaws and still go, I really respect his game. Here are some possibilities I've seen thrown out there. He could go to Phoenix and get paired up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I like that thought. Uh, Damian Lillard's trying to recruit him. He posted something on his Instagram story. Uh, him in a Trailblazers uniform. Imagine in Portland having Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant. I love that thought. I always wanted... I grew up in Portland. I always wanted 
the I always wished that instead of Greg Oden, they drafted Kevin Durant and they could add him instead of the Sonics getting him moving to Oklahoma City. It could have been a whole different reality if Kevin Durant had gone to Portland instead of Seattle, instead of Greg Oden. Oh, Greg Oden, Brandon Roy, a lot of painful memories there. Um, I've also seen maybe Kevin Durant could go to Boston and be paired up with Jason Tatum. That's kind of fun. Another one is Atlanta. Maybe the Hawks get Kevin Durant, pair him up with Trey Young. Uh, it's big news. They have to acknowledge it. We'll see what happens. We'll see where he goes. But um seen a lot of people freaking out. I don't have much more to say there, but I, I am interested to see where Kevin Durant will go. And like I said, no matter how much you like him or not, you have to respect his game. He's very talented. And wherever he goes, it's a huge deal and very, very noteworthy. Here's another noteworthy thing. John Wall has moved to the LA Clippers. He signed a max, con- max contract three years ago. He's played 40 games during his max contract. He got hurt. Uh, then he played like 40 games two years ago. Last year, he didn't play at all in Houston. They were rebuilding and trying to trade him. He's really talented. I'm excited to watch John Wall. He signed a two-year, $13.2 million deal with the LA Clippers. And the Clippers now have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and John Wall. And John Wall is a guy who has played some really good basketball. He's very talented. He, uh, I'm just very curious, man. I, I, I want to see John Wall actually play. And I'm, I'm so glad he's going to a decent basketball team. Um, I, I'm glad he went to a contender because, um, he's got some interesting years left. I, I hope we'll see. Um, and I, I talked about this recently. Like I, 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 I'm, it's like a weird science experiment. I just want to see what happens with John Wall. Can he still play at a high level? What can he do on a good team with good people around him? He was going to make $47.4 million. I guess in the buyout, he's going to make $41 million from Houston. Uh, but I'm just, like I said, I'm glad he went to a contender, and I'm very interested to see what happens with John Wall in L.A. Does he go there and do nothing? Does he go there and help him win a title? Does he, is he a contender? Can he play at a high level? I don't know, but I'm, I'm very, very fascinated. I want to double-check something. How old is John Wall? Let's find out. I want to let you know because that's important. John Wall age. John Wall is that's right, 31 years old he'll be 32 on September 6th and uh I don't know I, he's got probably two more years of if he can stay healthy he, he might have two more years of, of great basketball left I just I don't know we'll find out and I like I said you don't have to believe in it but it's certainly interesting to see a, a high profile player like John Wall go to LA it's a science experiment is it gonna go well or not I don't know but I, I'm very very fascinated to see how that works out in LA with the Clippers. Okay, let's end the show today with a bunch of questions on Patreon. It is getting dark. We got like 30 minutes of light probably left. So you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler to write into the show. You get a lot of perks there. For a dollar a month, you get to write into Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, you also get to write into my other podcast, Zach Schaumler Talking. You even get my other podcast, Zach Schaumler Talking, early on Patreon. It's a dollar a month. Please do. You can donate more if you want to. But a dollar a month gives you access to all that. Um get to right into the podcast and it helps pay for me to exist as a human being. And I'm very grateful to you guys. Uh, Gold dude, MK writes in and says, Hey Zach, I know one of your favorite things in sports to talk about is storylines. So here's my question. Are there any storylines, any sport, but probably the NFL that precede strong opinion sports that you would enjoy talking about an example, which could be in the 2012 draft, Washington drafted two quarterbacks. Second overall pick, RG3 wins rookie of the year, but he gets hurt. Disagrees with his head coach on his style of play. By the end of 2015, the 102nd overall pick, Kirk Cousins, is the one to receive a contract extension. Yeah, Washington ended up going with Kirk Cousins instead of RG3. It's kind of weird that worked out. Um, I have one I'll get to in a second, but I want to comment on that first. I remember that draft really well. I told my dad. My dad and I are pretty close, and I was like, Dad, there's two quarterbacks in this draft class that are massively overlooked that are really good. Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. And I was right about both. It's the beginning of my confidence as a quarterback evaluator. Um, and I, man, I, you know, Kirk is, is flawed and imperfect, yada, yada. But he certainly um, has been a franchise quarterback and much better than where he was drafted. And, and so is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback drafted in the third round because he was too short, which is nonsense to me. Um, now, here's the storyline. You ask, is there any storylines that happened before my time, before I ever recorded Strong Opinion Sports? Here's the one that I think is most crazy to me that like came to mind. Can we talk about Brett Favre going to Minnesota? 
Brett Favre has a long career. He's the staple, the franchise player in Green Bay. I think he wanted to go straight to Minnesota. They wouldn't let him. They blocked that. He had to go to the Jets for a year. He actually got in trouble there. It's a whole can of worms there. But um, you may not know, I lived in Minnesota until I was in second grade, right? Like I, I lived my childhood there a little bit. Dealt with the snow, dealt with the mosquitoes, loved the lakes, yada, yada. Got a lot of friends there still. Had a football that if you squeezed it really hard, it said, touchdown Vikings. Like I loved it. Skull Vikings, let's win the game. Skull Vikings. On our... I think, what are your names? I don't remember. But my dad, to this day, if you watch football with my father, no matter who's playing, could be Ohio State, Miami, right? When there's a touchdown that he's excited about, he goes, touchdown Vikings. He loves, he loved, loved, loved yelling that my whole child that still does. And uh, I was always partial to the Minnesota Vikings. So I, I could not believe, I was so excited when Brett Favre, the enemy, went to Minnesota. Like, we don't talk enough about how crazy that is. That's like Tom Brady going to play for Buffalo. Or it's one thing for Peyton Manning to go to Denver, but imagine if he'd gone within that division. I don't know who who was really challenging the Colts back in the day. Tennessee, Houston, something like that. I don't know. Um that's a move that doesn't happen very often when your lifelong franchise player goes to one of your division rivals and does well and gets to a, a game away from the Super Bowl. That, that that interception was painful. It always hurt me forever against the Saints. But um, that's a, a memory and a, a moment in sports history that I will always love and always appreciate. Is And I still can you believe it? Brett Favre went from Green Bay to Minnesota and... Uh, that's something that predates strong opinion sports. I found very interesting and exciting and I, I'll never get a chance probably ever again to talk about it. Maybe that's a fun topic for later is just think about a couple of things that like an evergreen episode someday, just to talk about old stuff that I, I love and think back fondly on. Cause that's definitely one that I go, wow, how crazy and cool was that? Okay. Ryan writes and he says, ahoy, Zach. Ahoy. My name is captain Zach Shomler. I drive the, the USS GMC Canyon. <laughs> Um, Ryan writes in and says, Ahoy, Zach. So this has been kind of gnawing at me for a while. Every time I tune into a sports radio show or podcast, I hear people being down on the NFC East with various humorous nicknames like the NFC Least and uh, the like, there's no way this is still the worst conference in the NFL, right? And, and the like, oh, he meant like the NFC East and the like, comma, but there's no way, this is him asking, there's no way that this is still the worst conference in the NFL, right? If there is a worst conference in the NFL, who would it be? Sincerely, Ryan. Please feel free to use my real name. I'm going to tell the audience, though. Ryan goes by Biggest Dickus. I love his nickname. I love his Patreon username. It's hilarious. And uh, I will always say that, Ryan. But I'm, I'm going to give you crap. And, and I, I, at least this time, I got to mention both. It's kind of funny. But feel free to sign your name with Ryan. I'll say Ryan forever now if you want me to. But guys, on Patreon, use use creative, hilarious nicknames. I love it. So um, the NFC East is not the worst division in football, in my opinion. Um you know, Philadelphia is a much improved team. They're also a playoff team. They got A.J. Brown. Like, they're really good. Made the playoffs last year. Um, two teams in that division made the playoffs last year. The Cowboys and Philadelphia. How could you be the worst team division in the NFL if two of your teams made the playoffs? Um, I think Washington is much improved. They got a good defense. Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson. It's exciting stuff going on in Washington. The Giants are not that good, but they could surprise people if, if their new coach can work with Daniel Jones they could surprise people. It's a hard question to answer. Who's the worst division in football? Here's my answer. Probably. Um, I've got a maybe answer. And then one that I think it. So first of all, I think the AFC South is probably the worst division in football, but it's, there's a challenge there. We'll talk about both. The Titans have a good team, but Ryan's handle at quarterback, a lot of question marks there. The Colts are good, but flawed. And Matt Ryan, their quarterback's getting older. The Jaguars have Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson and some excitement, but a lot of question marks. And Houston is terrible, but I like their quarterback, Davis Mills. Um, I mean, it's a hard question to answer because there's honestly not a lot of, there's not like a horrible division in football. You're like, none of these teams have any shot. It's kind of a cool moment in football where almost every team in, in the league has a shot. Like Seattle's kind of screwed, but the rest of their division is really good. So they're not clearly not the worst division in football. So I would say either the AFC South, because you got question, the team that maybe is the best team in the division has a question mark at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill. The Colts might be the best team in the division, but they're neck and neck. And how good is Matt Ryan? Is their offensive line going to be any better? I don't know. 
the Jaguars are worried about, Houston are worried about. But here's a challenger, the team that could be the worst, the division that could be the worst division in football and could be challenging the AFC South. It's the AFC South or the NFC North. Hear me out. The Bears have done very little to support their quarterback, Justin Fields. Maybe they will next year. I don't know, but I'm not that excited about the Bears. The Lions are the Lions. They're doing, making some changes and drafting some people I like, and I love that they drafted Jamison Williams, and they, they're trying to build around Jared Goff, but the Lions are not that great. The Vikings, I'm excited about. I'm interested. They got a new coach. They got some offensive weapons, but kind of wait and see there. And the Packers are not as good as they were. They got rid of Devontae Adams, and they're trying, but it's going to take a while, I think, before they're good. So either the AFC South or the NFC North is the worst division in football, but frankly, like there isn't a clear answer. Uh, and, and anyone saying the NFC least is just wrong because, like I said, there is no clear one. And it's certainly not the NFC East. I mean, they Washington, Philly and Dallas. I hate to say, it, but Dallas is pretty good. And the Giants, if they can get good quarterback play, could shock a lot of people, too. So I don't know, man, there there is no clear answer. Um, and that's the honest answer. So there you go. Lionheart writes in and says, are you going to do anything special for SOS episode number 500? It's a big milestone, and you should be proud of what you've built. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, let me say something real quick. I, My friends have kids, all of them. And they all say, you have to just live your life and bring your kids with you. Do all the same stuff you did before, just bring your kids. You want to go out to concerts? Bring your kids. You want to do the, go to the park or whatever? Bring your kids. This podcast is basically my child. And I'm going to live my life doing whatever I want. I'm going to bring my podcast along with me. And I, oh, I love it. I'm doing so well, man. I uh, saw my grandma this last couple of days. I recorded a podcast with my grandma. That'll come out at some point. I drove from Spokane, Washington to Bellingham. And that drive, the Washington Pass, the Sherman Pass, Highway 20. I'm not exaggerating when I say that's the most beautiful drive I've ever done in my entire effing life. Um, how do I put this? You go through moments of struggle, and I think the last year, as I've gone through a lot of my personal life, there's been some struggle with strong opinion sports, but it's my baby, man. I love it. I'm proud of what I did, and I want to I want to just throw this out there. We got 10 episodes till episode 500. Please comment some ideas. What do you guys want to see from episode 500? What sounds fun and exciting and interesting? Maybe I dress up funny. Maybe I go to somewhere cool. Maybe I... Uh, maybe I do the podcast in, like, my friend's old basement where the whole show started. I don't know. Something like that would be kind of fun. Um, maybe we get a cool guest. Maybe Brett Coleman comes on and we talk about our journeys and we just talk about life and about recording and how hard it is to be a YouTuber or podcast host. I don't know. Um, are there any guests you want? Are there, I'd love to do something that is visually appealing, like wear a costume or do something dumb. I don't know. I don't know. I it kind of, it's out there. So I want to leave it to you guys. Feel free to comment. Let me know. What do you want from episode 500? Because I, uh, I'd love to do something interesting to celebrate the milestone and, uh, Lionheart, thank you for giving me the, the shout out. Okay, Uriah writes in and says, Hi, Zach. You've said my name correctly on the previous podcast. Thank you. I think you have a great mind and I know you're winning in life. I feel like that too, by the way. Uh, I also was wondering, would you rather be an NFL head coach or a GM if you could choose? You said I said your name correctly in the last episode. I said Uriah, I think, but I don't actually remember. So I I have no confidence I'm ever saying your name right. I, I say it on every podcast I do. This one, you write in a lot. You write into Zach Schaumler talking. I, I never know, but I'm going to say Uriah, and I hope that's right. Uriah. Y- Uriah? That's got to be it. I don't know. I don't know what else it could be. U-H-R-Y-E. Uriah. Right? I don't know. I don't know, but I love you, man. You, you write in a lot, and I appreciate you. But, but like, I, I'm going to... It's hilarious we haven't figured this out yet. I encourage you. Feel free to write in with a phonetic, like, spelling on Patreon. Like, give me a, a DM. I should DM you tonight, probably. I say that every episode, though. Write in with a phonetic spelling of your name. So I go, you write up. Oh, got it. I am right. Would I rather be a head coach or a general manager? I'd rather be a coach. I want to be closer to the game. I don't really want to be GM. Uh, although that would be fun, too. I, I mean, I don't know. Working at football anyway sounds fun. I, I love it. I think I'd rather be a coach. I want to be closer to the game. Although, building a team, interviewing players... The combine interviews would be incredible. I don't know. You can't really lose. Honestly, though, I'd, I'd rather be a position coach right now. A quarterback coach, a tight ends coach, a receiver coach. I don't know. Um, I, I'm not ready for the responsibility of being a head coach right now. I think a position coach would be pretty good. It'd be fun. I, I, I Being a college quarterback coach at a low level would probably be like the dream for me right now. I could have a life. I could have a family. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. 
Like that's the life. If I was to work in football, I actually don't want to be a coach. I, I like what I do. I'm pretty, pretty happy right now. Um, but I, I would rather be a coach than a GM because I want to be closer to the game. And I'd rather be a position coach than a head coach because I don't feel like maybe if I was a position coach for a couple of years and could grow and learn, maybe I'd be ready for the responsibility of being a head coach. But right now, we're just not there. Donovan writes in, I didn't put it on. It's on It's on my notes. Uh, it's on Patreon. I got to find it because I didn't put it in my, my sheet, which is really frustrating. But whatever, you do the best you can. I like Donovan's question. It was about the spelling of the name Zach. So let's find it. Donovan writes in, come on, we're so close. How could that not be it? Oh, that's actually I'm talking episode 22. Strong opinion, sports episode 490, there we go. Gosh, Patreon, I love it. You guys write in so much. It's overwhelming. I get a lot of questions. Um, mostly DMs. Please write into the, I put on like, what do you call it? A, a thread on Patreon where you can post and comment under the post. Y'all write me DMs, and I got to pick through my DMs. If you can put them on the post, that'd be great, but I'll just take them however you want. Donovan writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I've heard you mention that you don't like the way that Z-A-C-H with an H spells his name. Zach with an H spells his name. My little brother's name is Zach with a K, no C, Z-A-K. I also have a friend in high school named Z-A-C-K with a C and a K. How do you feel about the many ways... Your name is spelled, and which do you feel is the worst way to do so? Let me start off by saying this. Us Zach's got to stick together. No matter how you spell your name, it's a brotherhood. We got each other's back forever. If you find out another guy's name Zach, hey, that you got an instant connection. You got to stick together. Uh, I used to spell my name Z-A-C-H, and I think that is by far the worst way to spell Zach. It's, it, it spells Zach. And here's the, the hilarious story uh, in the background. In fifth grade, I got bullied and got called Zatch. Uh, hey, Zatch, what are you doing? Why does your hair look so dumb and curly? So being the insecure fifth grader I was, I, I shaved my head off and I, uh, or shaved my hair off, not my head, my head was still on my body. I shaved my hair off and I, I started spelling my name Z-A-C. I stole it from Zach Efron. Uh, I was an insecure little baby back then. But even now as an adult, I look back and go, you know, Zach, Z-A-C-H, is just the worst way to spell that name. Z-A-K, I'll take it. Z-A-C-K, I'll take it. Z-A-C, they all spell Zach, but the one spelling Zach is probably the worst way by far to spell Zach, to spell Zach, excuse me, but um, look, man, if your name is is Zach with a C-H, I'll still love you. I'll still give you a fist bump and a hug. You're in the brotherhood, Um, but take take a, drop the H, man, just B-Z-A-C. It's the best way to spell it. I don't know any any way but the H. The H doesn't make sense. It's a it's derived from Zachary, which I don't know why Zachary is Z A C H A or Y either. That it never made sense to have the H in there. It's a weird H that makes no sense. And um, Z A C H is by far the worst way to spell the name Zach. <laughs> what a what a weird thing to talk about, but hilarious and fun. Um, I think we're going to Jake next. Jake writes in and says, "Hey Zach, what is the?" What? What else is possible? Oh, I got it wrong. Nathan and Jake are backwards. This is Nathan first. We'll go to Nathan, then then Jake. Okay, there we go. Nathan writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I wanted to ask your thoughts about the new helmets for the Saints. I don't hate them, but I can understand why people might not like them. But I could see them going well with a full gold uniform that I've always wanted for the Saints to have. What are your thoughts on the new black helmet? What are your thoughts on the Saints adding a full gold uniform to their closet? I think it would look good to be interesting and be an interesting uniform. Also, the Raiders should get a full silver uniform. Let's talk about all this, man. Um, So the normal Saints helmets, the New Orleans Saints, they have a gold helmet normally. They added an alternate black helmet. It looks pretty stylish and I like it. It'll be very cool looking. It'll look sweet with the gold uniform for sure. And here's here's a big comment I want to make. I want more of this. I... Football, the NFL is entertainment. It's, I want a show. I want visually interesting and exciting and fun. The the more entertaining you can make it, the better. And I I think it's expensive to have multiple uniforms. That's why in college they do it because like Oregon can afford it and it draws a lot of recruiting. Uh, The NFL has always shied away from this. I think partially because teams like Washington don't make as much money as teams like Dallas and Green Bay and Pittsburgh and it could be an unfair advantage in free agency if some of your teams had a ton of different uniforms and others didn't and yada, yada. 
I don't know. I, I just want people like the ownership in Washington to stop cheaping out and uh, give us multiple uniform combinations. I want more of it. It's entertainment. I I want as many different uniform combinations as possible. I'm here for it. It's fun. It's exciting. It adds another wrinkle to football. Makes it visually interesting. And uh, like the Saints will look cool. I like different uniforms. I, I my favorite alternate uniform in the world is the Patriots red uniform that with the white helmet and the red. It looks beautiful. I love it. And I wish every team had more and more crazy combinations. It's fun. I I I, I honestly be. I, you see posts on Instagram a lot where people make a a uniform made after the state flag, like Arizona's uniform with a color scheme of their state flag is really cool. And I I I just the more wacky combinations we can come up with. Uh, the better, in my opinion. I know I'm alone, not not necessarily alone, but I know that's not a popular opinion, but I certainly, I want to see as many different uniform combinations as possible. I'm here for it. It sounds fun and exciting, and I I love that thought. Okay, Jake writes in on Patreon. Jake says this. Hey, Zach, what is the biggest storyline of the NFL this season to you? What and why are its impacts? Or why and what are its impacts? The biggest storyline in the NFL this fall, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of big quarterbacks. I'm excited for Josh Allen, yada, yada. But uh, the return of Joe Burrow again in Cincinnati. I mean, all this stuff like after Super Bowl. But here's the biggest storyline in the NFL, for sure. It's Russell Wilson leaving Seattle and going to Denver. This is a Hall of Fame quarterback changing teams, going to a bad team. They're trying to be good. They got a new coach. I mean, that's... He's like number one or two in jersey sales. It's a big deal. Like it's it's a massive, massive deal that Russell Wilson moved. I think it's the opening game of the year. It's like I think I believe Thursday Night Football is Seattle hosting Denver. Like it's a, it's a huge deal. Um, so that that's why it's got crazy implications. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback going to a team that is trying to be good. It's a big deal. That that's the biggest story in in the NFL right now. Here's some other storylines though that excite me. Uh, as always, the biggest quarterbacks are interesting. Joe Burrow, Herbert, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but the storylines that excite me, man, are... God, I want to see Lamar Jackson, by the way. I, I want to see Lamar do something. I just... I love Lamar Jackson, and I, I'm excited to watch him. But uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight storylines I wrote down in no particular order. Uh, can Tua be good? The Miami Dolphins drafted him... Uh, Number five overall, Justin Herbert was drafted behind him. You got to be good if you're Tua. They got him Tyreek Hill. They got him a new coach. Is Tua Tungavaloa a franchise quarterback or not? And how good can he be? We're going to find out a lot about him this fall. That's a huge storyline. I'm excited. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. They brought in Kevin O'Connell. They got a new coach, an offensive coach. They got good weapons around him. Two good receivers, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, running back Dalvin Cook. They drafted Kellen Mond behind him in the third round. If he's not good, they're going to replace him. Does Kirk Cousins get better with a new coach, an offensive coach? I think he will. I'm excited for that. How good will the Colts be with Matt Ryan? And uh, are they, uh, can they reach their potential? Hopefully they can. We'll find out. The Steelers quarterback situation. They're the, one of the biggest brands. The biggest brands in the NFL are Green Bay, Dallas, and Pittsburgh. Whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, that quarterback battle is a big deal. It's going to draw a lot of interest. It's a huge deal in the NFL. Tom Brady came out of retirement. That's a big deal. Um, the Packers, they're one of the biggest brands. They got some question marks. They lost Devontae Adams. They kept Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they lost their quarterback coach and offensive coordinator. How good can the Packers be? And will, will there be an adjustment period with Christian Wat, uh, Watson and all them? And we'll find out. I don't know. The Deshaun Watson storyline is a, a stain in the NFL right now, but it's a big deal. How long will he be suspended for? Baker Mayfield, that whole Brown scenario is a big deal in the NFL. And then the one that's not about a person, it's about a division. The AFC West in general is is the most fascinating division in the NFL. Or conference, excuse me. Yeah, division. Conferences are AFC and NFC. Divisions are in AFC West. Um, the Raiders, the Chargers, Kansas City, Denver. Four great quarterbacks, four really good football teams that all have playoff potential. It's going to be a bloodbath. I cannot wait to see what happens in the AFC West. Ben writes in. Ben says, hey, Zach. It's been a while since I've asked a question on here, and I hope you're doing well. What are your thoughts on Arch Manning committing to Texas? As an alum of Texas, UT Austin. What's up, baby? Did they do this? Hook them? I think that's what they say. He says, as an alum of the school, I'm cautiously optimistic. 
Along with the winning next season and onward, what do you think the Longhorns need to do to keep Arch Manning committed to Texas? Thank you for your time, and I appreciate you. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate you too. Um, look, I, I have gone out of my way to not talk about Arch Manning at all in his entire lifetime because it's too early. He's a high school kid with a big family name. It's a lot of pressure. He could be a flop. Um, Arch Manning played against low-level competition, still does in high school. And there's a train. There's a train going behind me. I don't know if you can see it. You probably can't. Maybe you can. You can kind of see it in the background. I love that. What a what a weird way to do a show in a parking lot. Got trains behind you. That's so fun. I'm sure you could hear it or hear the doot toot. Um, more like a honk honk. Um, the name Manning, that Arch, I mean, Arch Manning's last name. Him doing well and winning would completely change Texas as a as a football school. It would really really. They're a big brand, but they're not really on the map. They're not really that good. If he goes there and wins, the same way uh, his uncle Peyton Manning did at Tennessee, it'd be a big deal. To put them on the map, Like that, that'd be massive. But I, 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 Arch Manning could be a flop. He could be a, a guy with a big family name who, frankly, has never played high-level football because he plays it, you know, I think Newsom High School, whatever it's called, and in New Orleans and they don't play that great of teams. And I, I, I fear that Arch Manning potentially could be a flop. I don't know that. I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I want to warn you now he's not guaranteed to succeed. And I, this is why I've never talked about Arch Manning before is I, I feel uncomfortable talking about a kid who plays in college. who's done nothing to earn the respect of other than he was born with a name that we recognize. He's got a cool uncle, he's got a cool dad and, uh, two cool uncles, I guess, Eli and Peyton Manning. That's a big deal, but um, you know, Drew Bledsoe's son went to Washington State and did nothing. Like having a big family name does not necessarily mean you'll be a good college football player. And I'm probably too cautious. He's his highlights are cool, I guess, but um, let's wait till he gets to Texas and let's wait till he does well there before we start talking about where things could go. But certainly, Arch Manning with that last name. Winning at Texas is a could completely change UT Austin. Okay, we got two questions left, um, and about nine minutes of daylight left. Honestly, <laughs> um, just another Florida man writes in and says, "Hey Zach, got a topic that's been brewing in my mind this off season. With some of the off season moves this year, I noticed something that feels potentially very significant." Within the past two years, we have seen a number of big name or at least high draft capital wide receivers throughout the league that are now playing with their quarterback from college. From my memory, we have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase play together at LSU, Tua Tungavaloa and Jalen Waddell from Alabama, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams from Fresno State playing together with the Raiders, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, limited sample size admittedly, but they played together in college, and then Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown playing in Arizona now together. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne are tangentially on this list for me due to the type of player Travis Etienne projects to be. The point being why I know this sort of thing must have happened a lot over the course of NFL history. I don't remember so many big names with either a lot of draft or trade capital and the pairings all happening so close to each other. All but one of these quarterbacks I would put in the quote young quarterbacks category. Do you think that if these quarterback combos are successful this year, but we will start to see GMs purposely go after the college quarterback uh, slash wide receiver teammate situation, particularly for younger players. By the way, oh, I guess Derek Carr, yeah, is an older quarterback. It seems like a solid advantage for a young quarterback to have a guy they already developed chemistry with. From your perspective, would it have been a noticeable advantage for you in college to have your favorite high school target to come from with high school from high school with me to college? Would that have been an advantage? Might be apples and oranges on the high school, college, college NFL transition, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, James. Uh, parentheses go bucks. Thank you, James. Um, I'm going to make this the last question today. I got one from Daniel that I'll read next episode because I got to run out of daylight and I, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I mean, having any kind of player you got built in chemistry with is a huge advantage. Um, I, I, I mean, it just, it just period. I mean, like I. If you have a guy, if you have got players who played together, like, for example, 
Joe, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase were two first-round talents. They dominated college football together. It's a no-brainer to pair them together in the NFL, and we've learned that. It's been a huge success, and I think uh, you're going to see probably more of that. Teams targeting that kind of move and that kind of situation um, for sure. I mean, I, chemistry takes time, and I had a guy, my buddy Cameron, we just, I, I, I threw a 10-yard out route to him with my eyes closed. I, I really, really, I knew where it was going to be. I loved how he ran routes. I loved throwing him back shoulder fades. I loved, I loved throwing Cameron the football. If I could have had Cameron come with me to college, it would have been awesome. And I, I, I don't know if that's realistic, but, um, you know, I, to have your comfort blanket go with you to your next step in football as a quarterback is a huge deal for sure. Um, and I, it's, it's a unique situation though. Cause you got to have a guy who's a lot of quarterbacks, their favorite receiver in college. Isn't necessarily a first round draft pick. Isn't necessarily an NFL guy. So when the stars align and you got Joe Burrow throwing to another first round talent, Jamar chase or Kyler throwing to Hollywood Brown, or I don't know, Tua to Jalen Waddle. That's the kind of scenario you can do that and, and pair them together from, but um, not every, it, it just, the stars don't align like that very often. So I don't know if I'm making sense, but uh, certainly like, yeah, of, of course it's a no brainer. That That's an advantage. That's awesome. But it's also hard to achieve because like I said, not every first round quarterback is throwing to first round receivers. Guys, I love you. That's all I have. I'm going to end it here about 50 minutes in. Um, Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you. I love you so much. Uh, I'm going to save Daniel's question because I got to fill out another episode because there's a Formula One race. Uh, you'll hear this on Saturday. Yeah, today, no, today. What's today? Today is today is Friday, July 1st. So you're hearing this July 2nd, Saturday, Sunday. There's an F1 race. So um, I got I to gotta record about that next week. And so I'm going to save Daniel's question for then. Um, but I love you guys so much. I really appreciate you tuning in. Um. I am the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And I say that honestly. I'm connecting with my family. I'm driving around the state of Washington. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Um, thank you for tuning in. I love you. I appreciate you. But um bum bam, we are. Happy 4th, by the way. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Have a great one. But um bum bam, we are done. <laughs>